Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. I am Chris Solomon, and I have as a guest for the first time. People are going to start thinking this podcast is sponsored by Callaway, but I promise that it most certainly is not. But social media director for Callaway, as well as the only undefeated caddy that I'm aware of in the entire game of golf, Chad Coleman. Chad, what's going ah, on? I finally made it. <laughs> I finally made the No Laying Up podcast. <laughs> this is just a dream. Yeah, you've, you're, finally, you're finally living out the dream. You've been begging for years. I mean, and I've been begging you and texting you repeatedly, I don't know how many times, to have me on the podcast. And you keep, you know, you keep just putting me off. We win. And so I guess... I guess I have to go caddy and win a tournament to, to be cool enough to come on the podcast. I don't know. Barely, barely got you in this week. I already had to cancel on you once this week because I can't, I don't understand how time zones work. Apparently, so no, it's all good. Thanks for having me on. Of course, welcome. And uh, so, all right, I, I'm assuming most people listening to this have heard the story, but um, if the, if you haven't, Chad was, uh, and I want you to tell the background of the story here eventually, but. You were uh, invited to Caddy for a Web.com tour event last week for Wesley Bryan, famous of the of the Bryan brothers, uh, basically on what I gather is a Twitter dare, and you went down to Mexico, and he won the event with you on the bag, holding him back. So first, I want to know, how did this whole thing start? Like, Had you guys ever talked about doing this before, or you had, there had to be some kind of conversation about this before it happened? Oh, man, it's it's been crazy. Yeah, so... So we had actually talked about this a while back, uh, about a month ago. We had we were, we were just texting, and we had this idea for for me to eventually caddy for him in a tournament. Whenever this was, we were thinking whenever they get back in the states. Like, yeah. There's an I think there's an event in uh, in Utah or something. Um, so we were talking about maybe that one somewhere closer to California. You know, so it's an easier trip, easier for everyone. And I would go and capture the experience. You know what it's like for a marketing guy to caddy for. Uh, you know, Wesley and that kind of thing. So we, we'd had this idea, um, and we just kind of tabled it for after we, after we talked about it. And so I'm sitting at my desk last, let's see, it was, it was Thursday of last week, uh, the week before last, sorry. And, uh, and I was sitting at my desk and I, I see this tweet pop up and it's Wesley who tweeted just completely randomly out of the blue. If this tweet gets a hundred retweets, hashtag Chad will come down and caddy for me in Mexico next week. And I'm like, I'm like that's weird. Why, why would he do that? Like, is this is he just like messing around? I, I didn't really think much of it at first. Yeah. And then about ten minutes later, I get a text from him. He goes, "Hey, um, so George is Monday qualifying next week, so he can't caddy, and my other caddy that I had in mind backed out." Uh, I just sent out a tweet. It's already gotten 100 retweets. And I also just called your boss, Harry, and asked him if you could come and if you could be out of the office. And he said yes, so pack your sunscreen. <laughs> and I was, at that point, like, what can you do? What can, yeah, you, know, you can't say like no. I could be like, like, how could I say no to that? Um, so, you know, it was a little bit further away than we, you know, a tournament that we had talked about and a little bit quicker notice. Um, but, you know, once, 
once uh, all that was in place, I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's. Uh, I guess I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> How's your Spanish? Uh, not good. Non-existent? Uh, non-existent. Do they um, speak much English down there where you were? Leon? Luckily, yeah, luckily most of them spoke uh, some form of English. Um, or there was someone around at all times to, like, translate if you're trying to talk to someone. Um, but, yeah, I thought I knew Spanish really well because I took it, like, three years in college. And I just realized when I got down there, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. I'm totally fine. I'm, like, Spanish pro. And uh, I realized that I forgot literally everything. <laughs> and I probably sounded like a huge idiot trying to trying to speak broken Spanish to to these people. But that happened. We, to you know, we got we got by. That happened to me when I went to uh, I went to Barcelona with a buddy of mine, and I I hadn't spoken Spanish in ten years. But I just uh, so cocky to my buddy. I'm like, I got, I got this. All right, I'm gonna get us totally. around. I got this. We get there and like there's all kinds of letters I've never even seen before. There's X's and all these letters, and then then somebody finally tells me <laughs> they speak Catalan in Barcelona. They don't even speak Spanish. So I was so unbelievably confused and so cocky <laughs> that uh, we couldn't we couldn't find our ride. And then so my my buddy never let me hear the end of that. But um, oh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, do, do do the guys out? I mean, maybe you didn't get a full grasp of this just in one week out there, but you know. I don't fully understand the reasoning behind why all these web events are in South America. And there's a lot in South America and this event in Mexico. Um, yeah. Is it, is it weather reasons or what, 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 what do the guys out there think about having to travel to all these random places? You know, that's a great question that I wondered, but I never got an answer. I never really asked why they did it. Um, but I have always wondered that because now, now they're back in the States for the rest of the year. Okay. Um, but they went, you know, to yeah, like to Brazil, Mexico, and then they had that one random event in Louisiana that Wesley won. That was his first event that he won. So it's like they have like all these events in South Carolina or South America, and then like they come back to Louisiana for like a random one, and then they're back over. Um, but one thing that you know, I did realize was, um, you know, the the a lot of the guys out there don't bring their own caddies for those events because. Yeah. It's it's pretty expensive for a caddy to book a flight to Brazil or wherever, you know. Um, so, uh, shoot, there were probably only maybe like 15 guys out there that had their own caddy that week in Mexico. Um, just because of the, you know, it's, it's tough to travel, especially, you know. And a lot of those guys don't have full-time caddies anyway. So, yeah. it was, uh, you know, they took a lot of local caddies out there. Which was uh, surprising to me. I didn't. I didn't realize that's how it worked. Yeah, because I mean, caddies, at least on, on the tour, caddies are basically responsible for their own expenses, right? And they, right, they right. are. Uh, they usually crash. You know, they they stay with like you know several guys to a hotel room or something to save money. Yep. They'll, they'll drive from tournament to tournament. That's what. That's why I was wondering how that how that worked on the caddy situation. I know. I know. Like even Duffner, like when he went to Malaysia. Or when he goes somewhere, he uses a, a local caddy there, and it's it, there's there's guys on tour that also do it. I know like Sergio's done it in the past, and um, so I figured, yeah, that, that huh. makes sense that like a, you would use a, a local caddy that at, at that club to save money because I mean you're already spending so much money to travel down there, and like right, I, it, it's not it's hard to it's hard to ask your caddy to to do the same. You know? Yeah, and especially yeah when they look at that purse size, and you're like. All right, if my yeah. guy doesn't top ten, I'm losing money this week. Like that, that there's no exactly. way that would be worth it. So, exactly. But. You know, and a lot of those guys are, a lot of those guys who are who are caddies on the web are, you know, they're sacrificing a little bit and and banking on the fact that their guy will get to the PGA Tour yeah. and that they'll keep him on. You know, so I think some of them might have been like 
kind of okay with that uh, because because you know they they want to be out there they want to be loyal that way you know they're they're banking on their guy getting to the tour and uh, staying with staying with them then so there's some of that too I think yeah that's what like there's no guarantee though if they do make it that that totally. they're gonna they're gonna keep you on the bag even you know I mean right. they, they, right. they say oh you were good for when we were playing in uh, in the Mex in in Mexico but now that we're on the big boy tour I'm gonna upgrade a little bit so yeah now uh, now they've got people banging down their door to be their caddy yeah exactly or, you know. So do you, so. do you, uh, I guess how much, um, is your perspective, uh, probably not for, you probably, you get the full experience in this regard because you're not paid as a caddy. You, you are, you're employed by Callaway. This was more of a fun thing you did, but like the caddy grind out there, did you, I, I, did you get to talk to any other caddies out there that were traveling like more full time, just understanding what life is like for them? I, I did talk to them, but not, not much about that because yeah. I didn't realize until the end of the week how much of a grind it really is. Yeah. Um, you know, because not only for the caddies, but for the players as well. I mean, it's mentally and physically exhausting. You know, we, you get out there every day and you practice from sun up till basically sundown. And then on the tournament days, you know, you're out there, you know, for five hours during the round and you practice before and after. And, um, you know, by when I was sitting in the airport on, that Monday morning coming home, I was just wiped out. I was so exhausted and I was still on like a high, you know, because we had won. I couldn't believe it happened, but I was, I was exhausted. And, and, you know, we rode to the, we had these shuttles that took us everywhere. So I rode to the course and to the airport and everything with all the other players. And, um, there, you know, every single one of those guys is going straight to Indiana to, to do it all over again, to start all over again. And I was so glad to be coming home to like American food and my own bed and like Taco Bell. That <laughs> after like, one week, was, after one week, after one week, and so like I was like I have a whole new respect for these guys because it's not easy, you know. It's not easy to to be you know just in in such a zone and in such an environment for an entire week, and then just to pack up your suitcase and do it all over again. Yeah, and not go home at all or any, you know, it's, 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 it's wild, but I definitely have a whole new respect for both the caddies and players out there. It's just not easy. I think there's something to that too. Like what you just said about going from one place straight to the next without like a home trip, you know, like right. even, even when yeah. I travel and I'm like on the road for four days or so, like I'm usually ready at that point to be back, back home for a little bit. And the, you know, so take you can a break. wash your clothes. Yeah. And, re-energize you know, a little like, bit. Yeah. Some stability. How they're going. They're going straight, you know, they're going straight to the next one. And it's, it's crazy to think, you know, Wesley is, is married and, um, you know, he, he was FaceTiming with his wife whenever he could, but the Wi-Fi is super sketched down there. You hardly get, hardly get good Wi-Fi, especially at the, at the host hotel, because everyone, you have like a hundred guys trying yeah. to use Wi-Fi to stream video all at once. So it's basically <laughs> non-existent. Um, it, you know, so it must be hard. It must be hard on, you know. A hard transition for family life as well. I can't yeah. imagine it's easy for everyone to be to be gone that long. You know, did you family? Yeah, did you get any sense just in the week you were down there about what the camaraderie is like between guys on the web.com tour? Because to me, it always it seems oh. like those guys are pretty close, and that they they kind of do the same thing that I was talking about with caddies. They travel together. They try to save money, right. do this. Time. I mean, they're not they're not living. They're, uh, they're they're doing better financially than I'm making it sound like they're that by saying that, but I feel like those guys are uh, they're just it's a little bit more of a 
uh, community there than there would be on the PGA Tour. Did you get, did you gather that at all? Hundred percent, dude. Yeah. It's it's awesome out there. Like the first night I got in, I got in on Tuesday night, and I remember uh, Wes was like, "Hey, meet me in the just meet me in the lobby, and we'll have dinner here at the lobby. I'll wait on you." This is at like seven o'clock, and and like you know, everyone was down there in the lobby eating together. Everyone was just you know shooting the shit, having a good time. It's it's like they're all like best friends out there. Mm-hmm. And I I told Wes I was like that night I was like, dude, this is this is pretty cool. Like it's like you're it's like you're a traveling circus with like a hundred of your best friends. <laughs> you know, you're just tra- you're just traveling around playing golf with a bunch of your best friends. Like that's the that was the vibe that I got. Um, all those guys out there are really nice. You know, they're all younger guys, so they all for the most part. Uh, you know, they, even, even the older guys, they get along and, um, it's a really, a really cool environment for sure. So do you have, did you have any caddying background before you did this at all? No, not at all. Um, no, this was, uh, this was my, my first time. Uh, and I actually, uh, I literally have no idea what I'm doing. So I, I, uh, texted Shane Bacon like the night before and I was like, all right, dude, uh, kind of getting a little nervous here because I literally leave for Mexico tomorrow and I don't want to make a complete ass of myself. Uh, what, what if any, cause I know he caddied at St. Andrews for a long time. So I was like, what, what kind of tips do you got for me? And he gave me a, a couple pointers that, that came in handy. Um, like the caddy who, whose player finishes out last usually puts the pin in, um, just verbiage when you're on the course, you know, saying, you know, favor the right side as, a, as opposed to don't go left, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so that was helpful, but I got, I was able to caddy for the pro-am, so I wasn't just thrown straight into competition. So that, that definitely helped. So were you, experience. I think I saw a Snapchat or something where you were, uh, how were you barking out the yardages? Like two, four, niner, you were, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whenever, whenever I can work in a Tommy boy quote <laughs> or reference in anything that I do that's work related, I jump on it. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just had that idea. I was like, we were walking down there. I was like, all right, Wes, that's next Snapchat. Um, I'm going to need you to be the one snapping me. Just, just go along with it. Just, just hold the phone and say, all right, Chad, what do I got here? And, uh, pulled out the old two, four, niner. And, uh, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty happy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what percentage of our audience picked up on that, but I'm sure the ones that did were, uh, were pretty entertained. I loved it because you did actually look really confused when you did that too. (laughs) Trying to add it up. I was because we were, you know, that was the pro-am day. So I was just getting the hang of it and and we were at 6,000 feet elevation. So like depending on the time of day, you had to subtract a certain percentage for the elevation, whether it was 5% in the morning or sometimes we were at 8% or if it was warm and in the afternoon, it was a full 10%. Um, So you have to do, you know, there's several things that you have to, um, that you have to calculate to get one number, right? So you got the the elevation because we were at six thousand feet. You've got what number is it to the front? What number do we want to land it? Uh, the elevation of the hole, the wind, um, you know, a lot of factors in there uh, that you know we kind of had to go through a checklist every time to get a number. Mm-hmm. But we kind of we you know we were get we we got it down pretty good. Obviously, we had we we never disagreed on a number. We always had the same number and. Obviously, it worked out pretty good because he was just firing at the flag six every day. It was a clinic. On fire. I want to talk a little bit about his game and, and the whole experience eventually here. But do you feel – I feel like when I watch – when I'm at a tournament, and I, I'm, I used to think a caddy was like the most glorious job ever, right? You walk with the players, you travel from tournament to tournament, and you carry their bag. It's pretty awesome. 
Then the closer I watched it, the more I realized how busy they are the entire time. Like, did you the entire time? Did you ever feel like you got to be thinking? Yeah. Did you feel like you were like didn't have time to get everything done? Like rake the bunker and then get the yardage and get like yes. get, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Because you're always thinking about the next thing. Like yeah. What 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 can I do next to a save time so that I'm being efficient as far as the route that I take to walk? So I'm not like going around anyone. I'm not wasting time. Like where can I set the bag to where it's you know, to where it's on my way whenever I leave the green. Like, there's a lot of little things that you have to think about like that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the luckily it only it only rained on us for like four holes on. I think it was Saturday, um, but I was so flustered when it started raining. <laughs> I mean, I was a mess. I you have to hold the umbrella. And like I was, I was like clenching the umbrella between my chin and my and my shoulder so that I could like use both hands to wipe off the club. And then I also had to like keep the grip clean. And I had no idea what to do. And I didn't have enough hands. And I was like, "What? What is going on here? This rain needs to stop immediately so that I could like go back to normal." Because I was, I was really uh, in a bad spot there. Um, but luckily. It didn't last too long. Isn't it like I, – I feel like it would be hard to rake the bunkers to an acceptable level for a professional golf tournament. Is that – is, that, is yeah. it just me? Am I, am I just bad at raking bunkers? Um, I was definitely worried about that too because every time I was raking a bunker, I was like, okay, think – imagine like the next guy behind you hits it right here. Yeah. I don't want that person to be super pissed at the, the rake job. Yeah. Like, I don't. I, I want to make sure that if someone lands right here, it's they have a good chance to get a good lie, and I don't want to be that guy who screws it up and and like you know botches the, the yeah. rake job. So yeah. yeah, I mean that wasn't that wasn't too bad. We only got in. We didn't get in too many bunkers. Like I said, Wes was just he. We had a really solid game plan that kept us out of any trouble that week or any any big numbers were basically out of play. Because of the way that we we played the golf course, so um, we we, we already saying we. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's mostly Wes, but I was gonna say it pays off too if you're just in the last pairing, and then you don't have to worry about breaking the bunkers for the group behind you then as well. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, I was like trying to keep the the ta- the last day was like super hot, so I was trying to keep the the towel wet so that I could you know wipe off his grips and his clubs, and um, I I. I like it was this dirty towel by Sunday. It was used the same towel, and there are these, you know, the water coolers at every tee box. And I, the entire week, I was like, God, I wish I could just dump this towel in that water cooler and like be done with it because like there was it was hard to find like water out there to keep the towel wet. Yeah. And on the last on the last day, about eight holes in, I was like, you know what? I can definitely just dump this towel in there now because nobody else is coming behind us. <laughs> what was uh, what did, did you have any like really bad screw ups or what was like the worst screw up that you had? You had um, to have some. You had to. Let's see. Oh, I definitely did. Uh, the bag definitely fell down a couple times. Um, <laughs> like literally, you you can't even. <laughs> One time, I was like, I, all I was do, all I did was I set the bag down, and this is a super hilly course, so it was it was like. Everyone was saying this is the toughest course to walk that they have all year. And, uh, like, we just got done walking up this huge hill, and I set the bag down, and, and like, I'm huffing and puffing because I'm super out of shape. And I got, like, my bottle of water out, 
and just like took a couple steps away and, and started chugging some water and all of a sudden the bag just slams to the ground and I'm like Wes is like come on man you gotta keep a hand on the bag at all time I'm like I can't even take a drink of water come on <laughs> did you have any like like a like a best move where you ever do something like you talked him out of a club or talked him into a club or whatnot and it worked out really well uh yeah a little, uh so I think it was the fourth hole on Sunday. This is the first one that comes to mind because, like I said, we had a pretty good game plan, um, and it, you know the the wind wasn't too bad until Sunday. Sunday was pretty bad, so that changed up our, our plan a little bit because some holes were super downwind and some were into the wind. Whatever. Um, there's this par four that uh, that's like a super dogleg left, and there's a there's water. Uh, there's like water all on the left. So like you can either hit a driver at the green, but you're, there's like tons of water or you can like kind of lay up in the middle of the fairway with like four or five iron. Um, so we, we've been hitting four iron there all week, but this, it was, uh, it was on Sunday. It was super, super downwind and Wes pulled out his four iron. And again, he's very self-sufficient. Like he, he knows what he's doing. I, luckily I didn't, I didn't really have to give him much advice because he's really smart about what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but he pulled out a four iron, and there's there's uh, huge bunkers on the on the other side of the fairway. Like if you go long, you're in you're in one of these huge bunkers, and straight downwind. I was like, and he pulled four iron. I was like, Wes, what do you got there? He's like, I got a four. I was like, you don't think you should hit? Or he goes, you think I should hit five? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he was like, all right. So he's like, I agree with that. So he got five out, hit a hit a great five iron about. Stopped about five yards short of the bunker, and uh, he gave me a nice comment. He said, "You know, nice, 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 uh, nice choice there, Chad." <laughs> um, but that was about that was about the only that was about the only thing that I really contributed the so, entire week. <laughs> so on the no laying up podcast, you're saying the best move you pulled was advice on how to lay up. <laughs> Sorry, is that a major faux pas? <laughs> Do you need me to cut that part uh, out? I might have to cut that you, part out anyways. Can you cut that part out? <laughs> well, I, would you call that a layup? No. It's a par, it's a par four. No. Uh, well, I mean, it's a drivable par four. You don't have, like, I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not condoning recklessness. And was he playing with the lead at the time too? He was, he was, we were tied for the lead at that point. He was three under through um, five. And I think this was hole six or he was three under. So, we were two back starting the day. I think at this point he was tied for the lead. Okay. I mean, it's it's fine. It's I get it. I get it. You don't have I, you don't see, have to go for every mind, green. That doesn't in my mind that doesn't that doesn't qualify as a layup. Okay. Oh, you just, were there. That's just me. That's just you were there. I wasn't there, but you're the expert, though. So. Uh, I I've never claimed to be the expert on this. Um, <laughs> I just I don't let anybody get away with it, but I I, I can let this one slide. <laughs> but um, so you you're how close are you? It sounds like you're you were pretty close with Wes before this before this even started. Is that accurate? Yeah, you know we 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 uh, Callaway signed uh, him and George about a year and a half ago. I would say. Um, and when we when we signed them, it was at the time it was it was primarily for you know how can we partner to utilize them and the audience that they've built with their trick shot stuff to share our content in a cool way and create new and compelling content with them in like a you know a young fresh cool way that that resonates with the younger audience. So that was kind of the the original idea. We we obviously knew that they were 
that both of them wanted to play professionally and make it on the web.com and the PGA Tour. That was their ultimate goal, you know, so an equipment contract was part of that, mm-hmm. but it was more of like a, it was a hybrid contract. It was like the first, the first one that we've ever done at this company where it was more um, focused on, you know, two different aspects. So you got the marketing aspect and you've got the playing aspect. So, you know, the, the fact that they're super socially active, we did a lot of cool things with them. We did like virtual reality golf tips with them and tried a lot of cool things socially. So I worked very closely with, um, with both of them because, you know, a lot of the stuff we partnered on was social act, social activations and stuff. So I got to know Wes uh, and George both really well on a personal level. So that definitely helped, you know, having um, feeling like I could keep him calm and, you know, keep him yeah. kind of grounded. And we had a, a good friendship, so we're really comfortable out there on the golf course. And I think that definitely helped. Yeah. Because I mean, for me personally, I'm not like a big, I'm not a big trick shot guy. I, 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 I but I was, right. I didn't know that he had this level of talent, Wesley. I, I, I just, I, I, I knew they were good golfers. I knew they played in college, and I just didn't think. Right. I mean, I, I, if he would have earned his PGA Tour card, I would have been really, really impressed. If he had had some top tens, I would have been really impressed. To win twice in your first six starts, or how many starts has he had? I mean. Did, Six stars, yeah. Did you know he had this this level of talent? Like, be honest. Uh, I personally didn't because I, uh, up to this point, I'd never actually played golf with him. Yeah. Um, but I knew he had game, and I, I asked him that. I was like, I was like, when you came out here on the web, when you got through, did did the guys treat you differently because yeah. um, because you you know the to the to the outside world to the general golf fan, you were more known as trick shot guy than a player. Um, and I was like, is that how you got treated out here? And he's like, no, it's exactly it's the exact opposite. He's like, I, I grew up playing with a lot of these guys collegiately and everything. And most of these guys out here know that I'm a player first before anything else. Um, so, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. The vibe wasn't like that at all. Um, as far as how he got treated. And, but I was like, you know, I would, I would say that the mass general golf audience doesn't, doesn't see that side of you. They don't yeah. know that side of you. So they think you are just a trick shot guy. Does it feel good to like have proven yourself? You know, and he was like, yeah, you know, it definitely feels good. But you know, I, it's not, it's not surprising to, he said it wasn't surprising to him at all. You know, he, he, he's confident in his game and he knows that he can compete with, with the best of the best guys out there. And so he's, he's proven that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you, I think it's safe to lump me in that bucket as far as guys that saw him as a trick shot guy first and just right. didn't. I mean, in my defense, I don't think anyone expected somebody to go out there and win thirty three percent of the time in their first in their first six starts. But I guess what is what is, it sounds like he's a very well rounded player. But what is his? I guess his biggest strength is he long? Is it his putting? What what did you see out there? Uh, he's not super long. He's he's one of the best putters I've I've ever witnessed. Really, uh, he's just. He is such a good putter, and you, you ask anybody out there on the web.com tour, they'll tell you. You know, we all the players we played with, the pro and partners, he got a lot of comments throughout the week. It's very well known that he's one of the best, if not the best, putters out there. Um, and his wedge game is ridiculous. He, like, uh, let me let me, I guess, say his his entire game is very well rounded. But if he had to, he's not he's not particularly long. Um, and then in, his wedges are ridiculous. Like, I felt like. Anytime we were in within 110 yards, he would put his wedge to ten to like between three and five feet. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. Uh, and then on that that paired with you know his his iron game is is very sharp. So that you know anytime he had 
20 feet or in was a legitimately great chance to make birdie. Like we, we weren't, we were never trying to, um, you know, I, I felt like if he had a 20 footer, you know, especially on Friday when he shot nine under, he was making, he was making everything. And there was actually a, it's funny on today we, uh, shot the course record nine under 63 on Friday. There was a point in that round. I kid you not. When Wes said out loud, he was like, God, I need my putters ice cold. I need my putter to warm up. <laughs> there was there was a point in that round when that actually came out of his mouth. Were you and, were you mad? Uh, I I wasn't, but his playing partner was. He was like, Shut up, dude! You're like seven under right now. And and then he he went on to drain like a 25 foot putt. That was while we were walking up to the green. He had a 25 foot birdie putt, and he made it right after he said that. Um, but that just goes to show, like that round could have even been better because he missed probably four birdie putts inside ten feet in that round. Wow, wow, that's some ball striking. So, did you get the get get the sense that um, dudes out there? It sounds like it, but the guys out there were gen- like genuinely happy for him with this win. Like he's a pretty popular guy in the locker room as well. Absolutely, he's yeah. a very popular guy. He's easy to he's an easy guy to like. He's a just a nice, really good dude. He's just he's a very nice guy and easy to get along with and easy to root for. And, um, you know, he's, he's friends with, you know, a lot of the guys up there. He's very, from what I could tell, he's very well liked. So how, how did it work at the end of the week? He just, he, how much did he earn for the win? And do you get a caddy cut for that? Like, how does the, that's what people are dying to know is how, <laughs> how, 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 the, how this worked how that, that arrangement worked out. Did it just give you a, a wad of cash when you walked off the 18th green? Uh, yeah, not quite. Um, you know, I, this was a, a different situation because I was also there for work. So, yeah. you know, I've always, I've always dreamt of ever since I started this job of the idea that I could be at an event on Sunday, um, where I could like, we had a player win and I could be there to immediately capture the experience of what it's like after a win. Yeah. And, but like, I can't just go to every tournament until Sunday and just hope that one day, uh, maybe one of our guys will win, you know, like can't do that. So this was a, a very rare, unique opportunity that I've been waiting for, for a long time. My goal to, for this, basically for this trip and this experience was to capture the experience of what it's like to caddy for Wes, to caddy for a web.com guy from a, just a marketing guy's perspective. So, uh, I went for work, so, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to, uh, bear the expense for the flight and then, I ended up rooming with Wes, and Wes paid for the hotel. So it wasn't a, your typical caddy trip. So I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want him to pay me what a normal caddy take would be. So I guess ten percent for a win or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we we did work out a deal. I mean, I was also working for him that week. So. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't as much. I'm sure when it came to, for him, it's just like he's probably on such a high that he's probably. Like, I don't care how much I pay this guy. I just won a tournament. I'm going to the PGA Tour. <laughs> what, right? Yeah. I mean, I did see that he's now going to the tour. Is that? I thought it was three wins, and you were on. Or is he, are you just assuming that he's going to be top one, fit top uh, whatever on the, in the money list? He, is that? He's already locked it up. So, given you know the amount of money that there is to win on the Web.com tour in a given year, if you pass a certain dollar amount. That means that no matter what happens, you get your card. Okay. So with that win, he actually only needed about twenty thousand okay. uh, dollars to up to that point. So with that win, he easily locked at least his PGA Tour card up for next season. Um, 
It's also important for their priority, though, to get as high up on that list as exactly. they can. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So. so the so if he ends the season as number one on the money list, he gets you know he gets a better uh, better selection that um, you know he gets into more tournaments and that kind of thing. But then if he were to win three events this year, that gets an immediate battlefield promotion, is what they call it, to the PGA Tour. So if he wins this week, next week he's teeing it up on the PGA Tour. That's wild. Has he played in any PGA Tour events yet? Uh, no, he no, hasn't. No, okay. So is he like? Is he like thinking? Is he is Ryder Cup twenty sixteen a goal now? Is, it, is he on that on fire that much? <laughs> I mean, he you would you would never know it by talking to him. He's a very humble, like very humble guy. Yeah. You know, he his goal at the beginning of the year was to finish the year inside the top twenty five on the money list, or <laughs> to you know. So like he's, I think he's still having like to process everything that's happened, you know, and and reevaluate his goals because they've obviously just changed, you know, so much now. So I think what he's, um, his next goal is to win again and to get to the PGA tour. And then once he does that, he'll, um, you know, he'll evaluate and see where he's at and pick another goal. You know, I think it's kind of one step at a time for him. Yeah. Well, I, I know you're obvi- obviously you're a big social media guy, being the social media director for a large equipment company. But uh, we got a question from Jeremy Clemens, who's asked like, "How hard was it to be in the middle of all that and and not share anything in real time? Like, was it killing you to have your oh, phone on airplane mode?" <laughs> it was killing me, man. Uh, because when I play golf or whatever, I'm always I'm always used to having my phone out capturing whether it's snapchat or my camera taking photos like that's just part of my it's just part of my life now i can attest to that habit yes <laughs> it's just a yeah it's just a habit um you know because you never know when you're going to catch one of those great uh tour sauce moments at exactly. uh castle whatever course we played in <laughs> the castle uh, course in scotland yeah the <laughs> castle course um so it you know i i put my phone in in his bag and i, I turned it off and um there were several times throughout the round where I instinctively just went for my phone and I had to stop myself while I was zipping open the pouch. Like, wait, I can't do this. I can't do this. Chad, step away, step away. Are you allowed to do it like at the turn or anything or not at all? I I don't know what the rule is. I just didn't want to even mess with like even any sort of violation or anything. So I just, I I didn't touch it. And we're, when we were walking up the 18th, to the 18th green on Sunday and I knew that he literally physically could not do anything to screw the tournament up enough to lose it. I knew we were going to win. Like the, the only thing I was thinking about is how many tweets am I getting right now? <laughs> like I, my phone is probably going off the hook right now. Well, you, yeah, you, we thought, because you have two phones and so we have our group WhatsApp yeah. and you just never responded to anything for the entire week. We're like, he's oh, done. That was another thing that was killing me <laughs> because he, I have, I have my WhatsApp on my uh, personal phone, and uh, I just shut that thing off for the entire week because um, I had you know an international data package on uh, on my other phone, and so um, I I didn't even realize until like uh, a couple days in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I bet like the WhatsApp our WhatsApp thread is is booming right now, and I I actually was gonna text you or you or DJ or somebody and say, hey. Let everyone in the group know that I like literally. I don't have. I don't even have access to that this week until I get back to the states. Because I, and then of course, as soon as I get back and I turn on my phone, I have like fifty million WhatsApp messages of you guys just killing me for not responding, and <laughs> saying that I'm big time in you guys and all that stuff. So that's funny. 
We thought you were gone. We thought you were never gonna never gonna come back. And then after like You're thirty, like, why is Chad Snapchatting? But he can't respond to our WhatsApp. Exactly. Wow. We were up. We were upset. But uh, I didn't think. And then you came back and you were insufferable for about an hour. And then we we're like, all right, <laughs> we we didn't really miss him that much. So uh, yeah, that was funny. But all right, so I guess tell people a little bit um, about what what your job what your job is like as social media director because I think. I mean, maybe some people assume you're just sitting there and tweeting and being social all day, and it's easy work. But what yeah. is your? I, I imagine it's it, it it innovates on a year to year basis, anyways. But how did, how do you came about getting getting this job? And what still looks like one of the coolest jobs in sports, by the way. But yeah, it's you know I'm very very fortunate uh, fortunate guy to be able to do what I you know what I love as far as um, what I'm passionate about in my career, which is social media uh, marketing and what I'm passionate about in, in just my life in general, which is golf. Uh, very, you know, very lucky to be able to, to do that for, for a living. Um, you know, I, I got, I did social media, uh, content for, um, an agency out of college, uh, was working there for about a year where I was doing social content for like clients that we had, like big brands like Walmart, Sam's club, PF Chang's were some of our clients that I was writing social copy for. But I, I realized very quickly that like, not only did I not like working for an agency, but I felt like I wasn't able to to really like provide value because I was realizing that to be successful at social, you have to have your social person or your social team in-house. They need to be part of the company. They need to be part of the culture. They need to understand what's going on in the company. Hiring an agency, an outside agency, to try to um, – to write social content as if they are part of your brand and your culture is very difficult. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, that was four years ago, and, and you see this trend lately of um, almost all companies are bringing their social team in-house now because people are starting to realize that. So I was I realized that. I realized that there were, um, there were a lot of opportunities in the golf space, you know, just being a golf fan my entire life. I played golf since I was a little kid, and... Um, so I was lucky enough to get my foot in the door, thanks to um, Ashley Mayo at Golf Digest, who had heard about this job at Callaway opening um, as the first social media position in the company. Um, and she, you know, I just as a golf fan, and I was on Twitter and all that stuff. We, had, I had communicated with her for, you know, a long time, so she knew who I was. Um, and so she, you know, took a chance and, and recommended me for the position to Callaway. And, um, it was crazy from the first phone interview I had to coming out here for an interview, getting the job offer. And they, you know, I was basically living in California from start to finish in a matter of like three weeks. Wow. It was crazy. You know, Ashley Mayo was a power broker like that. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. She's uh, she was, she was awesome. She was, I wouldn't be here without her. That's for sure. It's a good person to know. Um, yep. I feel like, and you've only worked for Callaway, so you, you probably can't answer this, but I feel like I'm not. I I think pretty much anyone in the industry would say this as well is that Callaway just seems way out ahead of things compared to the other companies. I know you probably don't want to you know shit on other companies while you say this, but it feels like the the company is very um, is willing to spend money, willing to spend marketing dollars on things that may not be may not give like an immediate turnaround of profit, right? I mean, like you guys yeah. are doing things with the like, dude perfect and like. I feel like there's there's always some kind of project going on. I feel like I don't really have a question with this. I just other than I'm, I feel like the company is very yeah. dedicated to kind of the things that you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, we we have a great team here that you know that works really hard at 
finding new new ways and new avenues and ways that we can share our brand story um, with different audiences and a way that's different from what you you know because generally speaking golf marketing has been so like cut and dry it's very formulaic and you know you have your TV ad on golf channel and whatever um, we're we're really dedicated to finding those channels whether it's you know, partnering with Vice Sports to do like in-depth profiles on our athletes and show a side of our athletes that nobody's ever seen before in a very Vice way. So we partner with them. We, you know, we profile our athletes and do cool things, and then they share it on their channels. So that we're reaching and we're putting our brand and in, in front of an audience that typically wouldn't see any golf content. Um, or you know, do perfect same thing. Partnering with them to. Um, you know, put our product messaging in, in in front of their audience in a way that's cool and fun and unique, and nobody in golf had ever done that before. And um, so we're trying to, you know, just really be find creative ways to to creative partnerships and uh, ways that we can reach you know different demos and different audiences in you know a way that's fun and cool and unique and that isn't so overtly advertising. Um, we want people to experience our brand differently than any other golf brand on social and digital and everywhere and that's uh, an important piece of the puzzle well i think uh pretty much everyone thought you had the greatest job ever and now it sounds even sounds even better so if people uh, <laughs> if, if people didn't already hate you now they may hate you at this point but uh it's a lot of fun hey I, I you you can't say too much because you're over there gallivanting and who knows where, where you're at right now gallivanting you're probably in like gallivanting who knows what at what country you're in or what you're doing or what beer festival you're going to I mean, never I, know what I never know what you're doing over there. <laughs> um, well, if you can follow me on Snapchat, you can see exactly where I'm at. Uh, and uh, I do, and I do. Um, I'm in the Netherlands right now. I had a little King's Day celebration here yesterday, the, uh, the King's birthday. So the whole country had the uh, day off, and my apartment is currently just absolute filth. So um, <laughs> I can just smell the dried beer on my floor at the, at the, at the current moment. That's like, great. That's awesome. Um, like you're having a blast. We have it is it is a good time. I'm not complaining about my life. Um, we have some Twitter questions. If you want to handle right. some of those, if that works, um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this. Amol Yannick um, says, "What was the moment when looping went from being fun to being serious since he was in contention?" Oh, that's a good question. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we we were very comfortable with each other. Uh, that helped our kind of vibe when we were out on the golf course because I was able to make him really comfortable whether he was playing well or whether he hit a bad shot, which was rare that week. He didn't hit many bad shots. Um, but, you know, he's he's a very, he's a very, like, his personality is very casual. He doesn't ever, he never gave the vibe that he was nervous or frustrated or anything like that really at any point. Um, so that made it easier, but we were, you know, we had, we were talking about stuff other than golf around the course. And when he shot nine under on, um, on Friday, you know, we, it didn't really seem like it. It was crazy. It didn't really, it didn't really seem, he just kept making birdies, but we didn't, we never really talked about how, how many under par he was or what was, you know, he was having a, a pretty special day going. Um, he was, he was pretty even keel, which, you know. I was freaking out inside definitely more than he was. I wanted to, like, I wanted to be like, "Oh my god, dude, you're eight under right now. We have a par five left to play the last hole. You're about to shoot nine under par. Like, holy crap, dude, that's freaking awesome." Is what I wanted to say, but 
You can't um, do that. You know, you can't. You definitely can't do that. So <laughs> it's like, hey, I was hey, just like, you know, hey, nice shot, dude. You yeah, know, good shot. Whatever. Hey, hey Wes, you uh, you think we're gonna win? You think that's gonna happen? What do you yeah. think? <laughs> yeah, hey Wes, um, you know, do you realize that was just a three shot swing here on seven on Sunday? You now have a three shot lead. Like, do, do you realize like we're we're probably gonna win this golf tournament? <laughs> Holy crap, man, that's pretty freaking cool. Uh, that's what I was feeling inside. There was never really a point, you know. I think on on Sunday on the back nine is when it got, I would say, the most serious that it got all week. Yeah. Um, in the sense that like. Wes was really dialed, and he knew he had the opportunity. He knew it was in his control. He knew he had to, you know, just play smart and, and um, play well this, this last nine holes, and it was ours. Um, and uh, there I go with the R's again. Uh, <laughs> your team, but, your own team, Wes. You know, he, we, we were both pretty calm and collected that entire back nine, and really the only time that I like really felt relief um, was on the 18th. So we he hit. He hit this wedge as par five. He hit this uh, wedge as third shot to um, like six feet for birdie. We knew that he had won it. Um, so, like, he didn't really call me in to read many putts that week. Yeah. Uh, if anything, it was like a couple times where he just said, Hey, just confirm what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Because um, he likes to read his own putts. Um, and so, you know, so for whatever reason, I. He, he walked over to the back side of his putt on the other side to see that to like he was bent down looking at the break and I walked in behind his ball for whatever reason I don't know why I did that but I walked I like walked behind his ball and squatted down and, and kind of read the break from from my side and I was sitting there kind of analyzing it looking down at the break and then all of a sudden I look up at Wes and he's just staring at me with this huge grin on his face like <laughs> He wasn't even reading the putt. He was just staring at me with this huge grin because he knew that we were about to win this thing. And that was the first time that I could ever like exhale and be like, oh, holy crap, this is, a, this is actually going to happen. I think that might be the answer to the next question I had. Uh, at Car for the Course wants to know, what was the most caddy sauce moment you had while on the bag? Oh, caddy sauce. Um, what defines caddy sauce? Here well, I mean, it's just tour sauce in general. I mean, like... What was the sauciest thing you did during the week? Was it was it bending down and re- going eye level to read a putt for your player? Um, well, or like uh, holding a, holding an umbrella over him as he was about to hit about to hit a shot and then pulling it back. There, was a, there were a couple. Uh, there was a couple tour sauce moments. Uh, there were a couple times on Sunday when Wes told me uh, we we're about to hit an approach shot into a green, and he told me um, he looked at me and said, "Chad, I'm about to talk to this one." <laughs> <laughs> before he even hit it before he hit uh, it. and uh, so and every time he said that he uh, he hit a great shot um, yeah I mean it only rained it only rained a couple uh, it only rained one time for a span of about four holes and I was thinking back to our trip to Scotland <laughs> exactly when, when I pulled the caddy sauce but but like I honest to God I thought about that and I was like am I supposed to do that like am I s- <laughs> Like when he's lining up a putt, am I am I really supposed to hold the umbrella over him? I had no idea what to do, so I opted just to not do it because I didn't want to make a complete fool of myself. And he'll be, he, him just be like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Um, so I actually thought about that in my head. I was like, "I was like, do I actually is this is this actually something that people do or, or no?" Or I didn't really know, so I did. I just didn't. Uh, I was pretty. I was pretty. Uh, I, I behaved myself pretty well. I didn't want to uh, to do anything too um, too crazy because this was my first time, and uh, I had you know no really no idea what I was doing. 
if any of us were there in the audience, I'm sure you would have snuck in a few of those moves just to make sure that we yeah, saw them. Hundred percent. I'll have to find that tweet of the video of you holding the umbrella for me over a putt because that's a that's a fantastic. Oh, one. that was classic, classic <laughs> move. Um, all right, Fried Eggs Golf has a good one. Which actor would you like to play you in the made-for-TV movie that is surely to come from this? I think that goes to theater. We, I don't think that goes straight to TV. Are we going? Um, are we going like A-list celeb? I mean, who do you want to play you? Who? who, who well, let's see. Get who you want to play you, and a more realistic option. I'm trying to think here. Let's see. Who I want to play me. I would. I would think um, either Will Smith, obviously, because of the Bagger Vans connection, okay. instant connection there. Yeah. So that his, his brand that he built for himself in Bagger Vans would trans would instantly translate over. Give me some credibility if if he played me. That that's an easy one. Um, Everyone saw that. That's connection. an easy. Yeah. That's an easy one. Uh, looks wise, you know, Leo. Brad Pitt, somewhere in that region, I think would um, would be the best, uh, you know, portrayal of my physique and my looks if we're going there. Um, and then um, I don't know who do you think would be good. I was not prepared for this very well at all. I'm interested to see if anyone, if anyone still listening to this, can come up with a good, good uh, actor that would look like Chad. I'm trying not to. I, I'm, I'm let's trying. Crowd, yeah, let's crowdsource this. I'm trying not to insult you, but I'm trying not to get your head any bigger than it already is at the same time. So it's really <laughs> challenging. Like I feel like a bearded Ryan Reynolds could do it, but I feel like it's too big of a compliment. Um, yeah, it's definitely a compliment. Yeah, uh, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm going to give you that one. That's. I'm not that nice. I'm a little heavier set than Ryan Reynolds, but. He could put, he can put on some weight for the role if you need he to. Could, he he's, could put on some. He's, weight got, for range. The role, right? he's got range. He's right. got range. He's got range. Um, so what, what would you say of anything? Was this the coolest thing you've gotten to do as, as since you've worked for Callaway? Oh man, I, I don't, I, I'm like, I've been really lucky with some of the experiences I've, I've, I've gotten to have the past. I just, I just passed my four year mark working here at Callaway and there have been so many incredible, unforgivable, unforgettable uh, moments here. I mean, I've I've done a Twitter chat with Phil Mickelson standing next to me. I've hung out with Gary Player and Arnold Palmer and gone to the Masters and uh, several majors. Went to Scotland and hung out with you got you idiots over there uh, at St Andrews. Like, there's there's been so many countless like memories that that like I'm truly lucky to have had been here. Um, so this I, I kind of I kind of put them all in one bucket as. All of these are incredible, incredible, equally incredible experiences, and that and this definitely goes in that bucket. Safe answer there. I'll take it. No, it is kind of hard. I can't imagine trying to rank all those things, but uh, I, I I wouldn't even know where to begin, honestly. <laughs> who is to try to rank them? Who's somebody like within the Callaway family or anyone you've gotten to know through this process that is like way different, and when you met them, meet them in person, than like what we may think of them on social media or just from what we see on TV. Uh, like an employee? Yeah, no, no, like or, a uh, like a player or like a, a caddy or somebody like like a, my my dream is that you tell me that Patrick Reed's like the coolest and funniest and most entertaining guy ever off the course. Like something something like any anybody oh, that kind Patrick of just is great. Yeah, I, yeah we went Patrick's fifty minutes great. before I mentioned Patrick Reed. Are, are you proud of me? I'm very proud. Yeah, I mean this was a layup for you to lead with Patrick <laughs> Reed. I mean I'm a Callaway guy. <laughs> I didn't want to seem too desperate. I didn't want to seem to come on too strong, you know. But no, we uh, we uh, 
we uh, we just had an ad shoot with him. I didn't go, but uh, Amanda Balionis was there two days ago, I think. Um, we had an ad shoot with him, and he was he was just apparently in a really great mood. He's he's a really good good funny guy to be around, especially when you have him not in front of like a TV camera where you kind of get. That's the cool thing about these like ad shoots that we have is there's a lot of downtime where you get to kind of goof off with the players um, and you know. Uh, just have a good time and get to know their their actual personalities. You know, we have we have a lot of really uh, really fun guys on our staff that um, it's cool to be able to get to know that side of them. You know, the side that you don't see on TV because we spend a lot of time with them where where there's a lot of downtime and right. you kind of get to you know do whatever. So does he does he know who I am or does he know that I make fun of him a lot? I don't know. Uh, I would imagine so. Next time I see him, I'm definitely going to ask, though, just to just to clarify, just so that the golf world can clarify. I don't think he's blocked me yet. That's a that's a start, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean Poulter, Zach Johnson. You no, know, he hasn't blocked me yet, so we're good. He he what's does. your What's your list look like right now of, of blocked of PJ Tour pros that have blocked no leg up? Um, I think it's just Poulter and ZJ, Brandel Chambly, um, Tim Rosefort. That's an odd one. What's that? ZJ? Z- ZJ is an odd one, isn't it? I never, even, I never even provoked it either. I have no idea how it happened. Like, no, Not a single clue. Um, but that's fine. Um, and then uh, Tim Rosefort, I, don't, I have no idea why. Brandel, I think I probably instigated enough with him. But you, got, <laughs> you, gotta be, you can't be thin-skinned with the block. I mean, I've only blocked people that have stolen my material. That's the only people I block. Like, if you're right. going to... If you're going to follow me and just steal my stuff, you're out of here. Which is, which is a lot of people. It a does happen. A lot of people steal your stuff. It happens from time to time. But um, So even if somebody's like harassing me, there's some people I want to block. I'm just like, I, I refuse to do it though. But Ravel unblocked me. I'm kind of I'm upset about it. I kind of feel like I earned that block and that I deserved you it. Definitely but, earned, you definitely earned that one for yeah, sure. I have no idea why he unblocked me and now he like he instigates stuff with me all the time now. It's, it's quite entertaining. But. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I want to know if, if Patrick hates me because I, I I love him. Um, okay, I'll find out. Last question: Would bones on a podcast be a a possible thing you could facilitate and be as amazing as I think it would be? Uh, bones on the No Leg Up podcast. Correct. Um, yes, it would be incredible, and uh, it's a little bit above my pay grade, but I know the people to talk to to see if we can make this happen because it would be a very, very, very good match. I, you, you and Bones. I, I mean, it would, it would just take hours for me to get all the full questions I have out there. and I, just, to, <laughs> just to hear about the veto, the one veto a year he gets, and uh, some, yeah, oh my God, I would love that. So <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's another guy that's really funny. Uh, he's, he's got some stories, man. I can only uh, imagine. So for you to be able to have an hour unfiltered with bones to pry some of those out of him would be pretty epic. <laughs> All right. See if we can make that happen. That might be my number one podcast goal out there. Besides, now that, <laughs> now that I've finally had you on, of course. So. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, man. This was a blast. I really enjoyed hearing about your week. And it was, I've been, uh, sorry it took till Thursday to do it because I was dying to hear about this thing. I'm sure you've done a lot of media and interviews and stuff since then. But uh, it's an awesome story. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's been, it's uh, it's been crazy, and you know, like I keep telling everybody, I I really didn't do much. Wes was Wes was the uh, you know he he did most of the work here, and I just kind of did the old show up, shut up, and keep up kind of routine there. So 
uh, big props to, to Wesley for, you know, it's, it's really cool to have, have been friends with him since the early days when he was quote unquote, just a trick shot guy. And, you know, I know he works really, really hard at his game and, uh, to see it all play out like it has and to be able to have seen it firsthand like that, like there's nothing that makes you happier in life than seeing someone like that who works really hard, uh, achieve his goals right there in that moment. So, uh, that was one of the most special things about this entire thing. So. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I, I bet I was going to say he uh, he probably the experience is probably a lot better for him having you down there too. I mean, it's, it's it would it would be pretty lonely to win, you know, without anybody you know really down there except for the other the right. other players. But if somebody on your support team that's had to add to the experience for him too. But I can't imagine that yeah. you just sitting, you know, sitting at home two weeks ago. You could have never pictured that this was a thing that was going to happen and to to yeah. live live that out. It's it's pretty damn awesome. I mean, I remember yeah, was, I was shocked enough that you were going down there. I thought that was so cool. I didn't like think that you were going to win the tournament, but man, props. props yeah, I mean, to it's us. crazy. It's it's crazy how it all happened from from beginning to end, right? Like one tweet that was sent and then all of a sudden I'm on an airplane and then all of a sudden like we shoot the course record and then all of a sudden we went by four shots and I'm sitting here on Monday when I got back and I'm like did that did this did this last like 10 days actually happen (laughs) and props to Harry for approving that and taking care that's pretty that's awesome it's awesome so all right, Chad. Um, next time, I'm not having you back on until you win a PGA tour, but win a tournament on the actual tour, the big boy tour. Okay, and then, then uh, all right, then you can come back. Well, so. I, I think I think I'm gonna hang up the old caddy bib. Just uh, straight to the Hall of Fame. Foreseeable future, yeah. I mean, to say that I'm I'm batting a thousand is, uh, you know, pretty cool. So you should send that to the Golf Hall of Fame. I bet that would just be front, front oh, the yeah, front room idea. in there. So. I'm sure. I'm they're, sure, they're, I'm sure really... they're they're putting in a plaque for you down there in Leon, Mexico. As well. so, <laughs> okay, so. let's not let's not kid ourselves here. Oh, oh, so, all right, Chad, appreciate it, buddy. You guys can follow Chad, of course, on Twitter at hashtag Chad, and uh, we'll yep. do it again sometime, man. All right, thanks, buddy. Cheers. Let's be the right club. Let's be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.